Vandaag gaan ik een beetje praten over, well today I'm going to talk about acknowledgement. Uh, what is the biblical understanding of acknowledgement? Uh, you know, when we look at acknowledgement, there's two ways that we can look at it, um, of which the one which I completely believe in and have preached for many years is to acknowledge what God acknowledges in Jesus Christ. You know, there's one thing, it's one thing to have knowledge about something, but it's something else to acknowledge the knowledge you have. Uh, let me give a good example. I like to use this, um, well, it can work very well in South Africa as well. You know, uh, Jacob Zuma is the president of South Africa. And we all have that knowledge. But it's not everyone in South Africa that acknowledges him as their president. And um, that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, that in that acknowledgement wherein we acknowledge something as the truth, especially in the gospel scheme, um, it carries power. It is when your heart allows that truth to be formed in your life, in your acknowledgement of it. So it's very, very important to know what God knows. So that we from our side can acknowledge that truth. That form of acknowledgement can, um, will go hand in hand with persuasion or faith. And will go hand in hand with the word receive. Wherein we say uh, we receive Jesus. Like the Bible says in John 1 verse 12. That um, you know, as many as received him, to them gave he the power to actually be born from God. To have a life born from God. And that is, um, you know, a very powerful thing that we can make use of in, um, you know, in our lives. And that we should make use of. But it goes hand in hand with a different form of acknowledgement. And that is God's acknowledgement in your life, which we are going to look at. Now, before we get into the Word, let us just pray. Um, and then I'm going to just explain in short what the gospel plan is and get into the teaching. Father, I want to thank you so much for everybody that is here. Thank you, Father. I especially just feel grateful towards the children and um, just Janette and, and the way that we can see our children being raised up in the message of grace. I want to thank you, Father, for everybody that is watching via the internet today all over the world. I'm also thinking of pastors watching this. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, enlightened mind and understanding and just the spirit of revelation can be upon us to see this truth, understand this truth and be born from it so that we can experience what you have intended for us from before the foundation of the world. Thank you for that, Lord. And use me powerfully today. Amen. Right. Um, <clears throat> Uh, just before the service during the worship, I was just thinking about the gospel plan. What is this good news? What was God's plan from the beginning? Now, from the beginning, God had in mind to create a being that can experience what it is to be like Him and then to live with that being in a family-orientated relationship. 
That is what, what God's plan was from the beginning. And God is spirit, and because he, could, uh, because he wanted somebody to know exactly what it is to be creative, to know exactly what it is to have life flow from him, to know exactly what it is to be influential, to know what it is to live by love, to be in relationship, the only place that he could have where this could be possible was to create a planet or an earth which would be a kingdom or a place that would, be, that would represent what he is and where he is. Because God also lives in a place where he's got a, a sphere of influence, where he can create things, where he can live and be himself. And then he made an earth and placed man on that earth made man from the dust of that earth, incarnated himself through the Spirit of God by blowing the breath of life into Adam, gave him life, and then had a perfect place where Adam could experience what it is to be a God being or in the image and likeness of God. And we found God came in the cool of the day and he fellowshiped with his friend Adam. Uh, the, the, the whole reason why God made man was not to have servants, like I've said so many times. Uh, it was not to have somebody that can obey his commands or anything like that. He wanted somebody to feel what it feels like to be exactly like him. He created a physical earth, a physical planet, from that dust, he made a physical man, gave that man life, and now we live in this realm. God then came and incarnated himself in Jesus Christ into this world so much that he would basically, for time and eternity, spend his time with us on this planet. So God's plan from the beginning was not just to take people to heaven. If he wanted to take you just to heaven, he would have created you in heaven. But his plan was earth. Then sin entered, and when sin entered this earth, it was man saying, I can know what it is to be like God without finding the source of my life from God, but in my very own abilities. The moment he did that, death entered into this world. And when death entered into this world, it, it came in the following form. It came in the form of sin. And that sin kills you and destroys your life. Then God came and said, I don't want people to be bound under the system of legalism wherein sin is coming forth in them and kill them. So I have to bring forth something else so that man can live again as I intended before the foundation of the world. And that intent was that we would be immortal, undying, forever living in human flesh wherein he would have human flesh with us and so fellowship with him forevermore. Not on the basis of obligation or anything like that, but a platform of love wherein we love each other and where this love forms us and shapes us and we share in eternal life or the highest quality of life that is known, um, which is God's life. Amen. That is it. So God's plan... <laughs> Amen. That's what He has for us. So God's plan was for us to be immortal. That was his plan. Now I know what I'm about to say and, and I've also put on the web something last night that is going to stretch your brain. And in, in, in January I'm going to start a, 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 
a series on immortality. You know, and how, uh, you know, how God's plan was for us to be immortal in the return of Jesus Christ. When Jesus returned, we shall become immortal. And that was his plan. And the moment, and the reason I want to talk about that is, sim- this is the simple reason. So that we can understand what judgment would be, end time judgment. So that we can understand uh, what eternal life really is. So that we can understand so many scriptures, that we can understand the word hope in the Bible, and the word adoption, and so many things that, we ha- that I've never spoken of in this church, but that I've believed for 15 years. <laughs> you know, but that I've, I feel, you know, the time has come where we can share these things and people can uh, have their minds expanded towards the truth about the reason why God made us and how it's going to manifest. For this life to manifest in us, you need God. It cannot manifest in you in any other way but by God. And any good thing that is in you, be it love or grace, love or peace or joy or long suffering or anything, the only way in which you can have it is if God, by the power of His resurrection, manifests that in you. Otherwise, you can never have it and never feel what it is and never have the, 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 the benefit of that in your life. So, when God comes, and he, uh, and, uh, sorry, when man sinned, God said, let me recreate this whole system so that man can be at the place again where I can manifest all these things in man. You must realize the Bible says that Jesus Christ is, or Adam, was just a shadow of him that was to come. So when you look at Adam and the command God gave Adam, you can look at the command God gave Jesus. Uh, Adam was a representative of mankind in the very same way Jesus is called the last Adam and he is the representative of all of mankind. And this was the command God gave Adam in the beginning. Be fruitful and multiply. That very same command is given unto Jesus The Father told Jesus, be fruitful and multiply who you are, the kind of life you live, the relationship you have with me, and all the benefits that's with it. Multiply that. And uh, so in other words, what it is, is the, 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 the onus. Rus, obiesis, the, the, the obligation is upon Jesus to bring forth fruit on the earth, not you. Yes, That is why he came and he said, you know, that if you are in me, you will bear much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. And and, and I'm going to go through 2 Peter and explain this, but let me just quickly jump to the the end of the message and, and where I'm going to. This is God's acknowledgement. The way in which God acknowledges your holiness is by manifesting fruit in you by the power of His resurrection. His acknowledgement. God acknowledges. And, and this thing works in such a wonderful relationship that as my heart is persuaded of this truth and I find my mind being washed by the blood of Jesus, I'm washed from legalism, God comes and He acknowledges the truth about mankind which is Jesus in your life through you saying, 
I am open for that kind of a life and God bears His fruit in you and we experience the highest quality of life there is. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, like I said last Sunday, for those of you that weren't here, you know, I was, um, when I was in Vintuk, they stole my iPad. Okay? Then, just after they stole the iPad, I went to the filling station to fill up. And as I came there, somebody came to me with a big knife like this. He just pulled out the knife, you know. Now, he wanted to sell the knife. (laughs) But I've just been robbed. So I didn't have the selling of a knife in mind, you know. (laughs) You know, and in that stress, you know, some people, when they get a fright, they... So the guy pulled out the knife. I said to him, do you want me to kill you? You know, I got voor toe geskrik. I don't know how to say it in English. I said, do you want me to kill you? And I got, because I was scared. You know, because of, you know, the, the whole thing about crime on TV and whatever. And I drove away there and, I, and that night I slept in a lodge and that I was the only person in the lodge and the wind was howling and just before that they had people uh, um, hostage there in that very same lodge and the lady that cooked for me told me this so there I was you know my trailer didn't have a lock on and all the equipment is in there and they and, and this is way out of town and apparently the previous time when these people were held hostage there they um, these robbers followed them all the way to the farm you know, saw them, saw their visitors, followed them. So you, I sit with all of this. And that wind is howling. You could, I could not hear if there's anything, anybody walking. I sit with a sphere. And then I realized, you know, that this is not the life that God has for me. Amen. This is not my life. And I could acknowledge what He says about me, what He's eternal life is which he makes available to me and this was my words I said God I don't make this body available for the flesh I don't make this body available for the consequences of the reasoning of legalism of crime and this and this but this body is available for you to manifest all the peace you have in and I received peace Fear left me. I slept in that very same lodge on the way back. You know, no problem. I had so much peace. Even worse, I, that time I didn't go to the camp. I went to the campsite, which is this massive campsite, and I was the only tent there. Couldn't even lock a door. But there was no fear in my heart because God was acknowledging my freedom in my life. So, Because of his acknowledgement by the power of his resurrection, I find that this influence called grace in my life multiplies. It's not just something that's in my heart and in my mind, but I find now that through God's acknowledgement in my life, that even the fruit acknowledges and confirms what I believe. So now I have the Holy Spirit in my heart, plus the manifestation confirming what is in my heart to me, and thus grace multiplies to me. I'm under even greater influence 
of His love and what He's done for me. And let's read Second Peter quickly. It says, Second Peter 1 verse 1, Simon Peter, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, um, well, let me just read the first five verses. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the acknowledgement of God. Now, your English Bible would say the word knowledge, but it's not the word knowledge, it's the word acknowledgement. It's not the word knowledge. Um, it's the acknowledgement of God. I think the, trans, the, the, the translators here would not know how to translate that word because what would God acknowledge? You know, because it, it talks about knowledge of God and what we, we thought was to, traditionally is that we must have more knowledge about God, which is good. I'm not against having more knowledge about God. And then the word acknowledgement, if we would say the, acknowledge, the acknowledgement of God, to acknowledge God, um, which is so much better, especially if you know what is done for you. But there are many people that are acknowledging God, that there is a God. You know? But the best form of acknowledgement is when God acknowledges your innocence in your life by the manifestation of fruit. Now, I mean, I'm available for that. <laughs> I'm very available for that. You know, uh, you know, I don't want to try and have peace in South Africa. I don't want to have try. I don't want to try and have peace when I look at politics. I don't want to try and have peace when I look at all these things happening. I don't want to try and have peace. No, no. I would rather know that I am at peace with God and that I'm in full harmony with God and God acknowledges that truth in the form of fruit in my life. That's so much better. That's effortless life. You know, the whole, he takes the responsibility to bring forth the fruit. The only thing here is, the, the way it manifests is by relationship, belief, love, knowledge. Okay? Now it says in verse 3, according as his divine power, now just listen to verse 2 here, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the acknowledgement of God and Jesus our Lord. This is in accordance to his divine power that has already given us all things that pertains to life and godliness through this acknowledgement of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Now just let me look at that verse more in depth. It says, let grace, the influence that Jesus has on mankind, be even greater in your life. And this is what Paul says. He says, I pray. So it doesn't say you must. He says, I pray that this might happen to you. That you might have an even greater experience of innocence, peace. The emotion of not being indebted. I pray that the boundaries of your experience of you, on, you not being indebted or um, not weighing up to God's quality of life, that experience might broaden in your life. I also pray, you know, that this divine influence of God in your life through His acts of mercy and all those good things might be broadened in your life, that you may experience it more. It's very interesting, you know. He didn't try and put a lid on grace. He says, I want grace to be multiplied. Okay, didn't want to put a lid on it. He wanted it to be multiplied. Listen how he says how it will happen. This must, this 
multiplication of grace, which is through God's acknowledgement, is how? It is by His divine power that gives us all things that pertains to life and godliness. So, God comes and He gives, He manifests all things that pertains to this life and to godliness by the power of His resurrection, thus Him acknowledging your innocence and your goodness and His love for you. That is what He does. And He says, that's what I want. That's my prayer for you. Now what must we do concerning that? We're going to read that now. It is so awesome. Number one, it says, in verse one, it says, we have obtained like precious faith. So, by the righteousness of Him. Please remember, I want to remind you, faith is not how hard you concentrate on God. Faith is to have a certain persuasion because of the righteous acts of God. Let me say that again. Faith is not to concentrate very hard on God or to try and focus hard on God. I I don't say we should not focus or we should not concentrate or we should not meditate. But that is not faith. The word faith in the Greek is the word persuasion. Now it says here, we have obtained a very precious persuasion by the righteousness of God. So God is a righteous God. Righteous also means equitable deeds. That's one of the meanings. So here we find it means to have a right unto, or it also talks about equitable deeds or good deeds. So we have a wonderful new persuasion that the Old Testament people could never have had because God came through His wonderful deeds and performed something so that we could have a new persuasion. Our persuasion now is of our innocence, of our forgiveness, of how much God loves us. Our persuasion is not a persuasion that's founded in slavery and servanthood anymore, but in equality and eternal life. So we have obtained a precious faith, okay? We must remember that because it's very important in explaining this. Verse 3 says, talks about acknowledgement, and let's just look at the word acknowledge. Romans 3.20 says the following, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. That word knowledge there in the Greek is also the Greek word, I think it's uh, 1922, which says acknowledgement. So, by the deeds of the law can no man be justified, because by the law is the acknowledgement of sin. When you're under the law, the law acknowledges that, by the, that in your flesh dwells sin. How does he acknowledge it? By manifesting it. Amen. So, what God did in Christ is He took away all our sin. The sin of the whole world. Okay? And then, when we have faith, by faith we've got access into grace, 
wherein we already stand and what is this grace that God took away the sin of the whole world and now God can come as we are persuaded of this truth and acknowledge our innocence by fruit that's all that is all are you innocent? yes should it be that you don't see fruit in your life? Does that mean you are not forgiven? No, no. It just means that you need to be persuaded of what God is persuaded of so that He can manifest that acknowledgement in you because by faith we've got access into this grace. Because we are God beings, we've been made part of the Trinity system, we've been made part of the Godhead, which is a be- He is a being that functions from love, which brings forth trust, which brings forth persuasion from where influence flows and manifests. We are that kind of a being. doesn't matter how much we want people to have life outside of faith. It can never be. Not because of God being stuck up, not wanting to save people if they don't have faith, but because of our design. It doesn't matter how much. I imagine, Aubrey's not here. He's, he went on a week, uh, just a stop to something. Now what would that be in English now? A survival thing. Yes. What, what, I think they've got one potato and a slice of bread for a week. And they must walk 80 kilometers. So he is... Um, you know, you must send your kids on those things because we don't have the army anymore. You know, just to, to just to, or you take them to Zambia. That's another thing you can do. <laughs> no, Zambia is a bit worse, I think, than what they're going through. But anyway, imagine Aubrey um, gets married, and I want him to have a happy marriage. It would doesn't matter how much I would want him to have a happy marriage, unless he and his wife. Trust and believe each other, it shall be impossible. Because it would not be up to me to give them a happy marriage or not. I gave them that which can produce a happy marriage. They receive, they have the ability to have knowledge of each other, they have the ability to trust in each other. And they should be open to each other to the point and love each other to the point that mutual trust can be formed. And when mutual trust is formed, they will believe in each other. And from that belief, you'll find a happy marriage born. Should I say, if they don't believe in each other, they shall get divorced. I am not condemning them. I am declaring to them their design. So when we see God, and for those that watch via the internet as well, when we see God declaring that it is impossible to be saved without faith, it's impossible to have a grace multiply in your life outside of persuasion or faith. It is not God being stuck up saying, well, unless people believe in me, my ego is not stroked, therefore I shall not save them. No, God is talking the language of your design. That's all He's doing. He is a being that believes, that trusts, that loves. The only way uh, uh, Aubrey and his wife can really have access to one another is through the channel of trust. You can never reach somebody's heart. And somebody can never 
reach the depth of my being unless I believe in them. It's because we are made and designed by God. That is how He is. Now God comes and He tells us in the Bible, He says, I want you to trust and believe in me. Look continually, have your eyes continually on the good that I've done. So that persuasion can come in your heart. So that through this faith you can have access to my life. That is the design. That is how we are. That is how we've been made. You can never get away from it. It is not God saying, well, you know, we've, we've seen, always seen faith as a system wherein um, it's almost like a business or people working for a boss wherein he says, well, unless he's got five point trust points, you know, he cannot get a promotion. And then, well, if he believed me, that means, you know, he's, he trusts me and I like it when people trust me, then I'll give him the next thing. That's not how it works. God gave everything when nobody believed in Him. Your faith is not needed for God to give you something. God doesn't need your faith to give His Son. Before we ever believed, He gave His Son. But you need faith to make use of what is given. And faith is not this... Trust that something will happen. Faith is a persuasion of what has happened. We've made faith a futuristic thing. That's the word hope. Not faith. You cannot have faith without facts of stuff that has happened. Okay. So now we have obtained this precious faith. And now he says here, I want uh, uh, grace to multiply in your life. How will grace multiply in your life? Simply by you being persuaded of what God is persuaded of. And the reason why I preach this is so that we can have a heart expecting and being open for God's acknowledgement of your holiness, your righteousness, and who you are in your life. For we have not been designed to function by fear and anxiety and um, stress and depression and all those kind of things. That's not what we've been designed for. We have been designed as a being through whom God can live, which naturally enjoys inner joy, inner peace, which does not come from works, but from Him living in us. Amen. 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 Let's look at uh, uh, Romans 10 verse 2, the, uh, um, the, the Jews. It says, For I bear record of the Jews that they have a zeal, a zeal for God, but not according to acknowledgement. So these Jews, they have a life. They live holy. They do everything good, you know. But they've got a zeal for God. But their zeal is not in accordance to God manifesting the holiness in their life. Not according to God's acknowledgement. So, the holiness that's in our life, is it the acknowledgement of your willpower? Or is it God acknowledging your holiness by your belief in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. These Jews, they don't have... Now, you cannot go and take every word in the New Testament where it says knowledge and put in the word acknowledgement. You must go and look at the Greek word. I think it's only used... 13 times or something in the New Testament. It's not, it's not, this word acknowledgement does not talk about the word knowledge, which, in, uh, which the Hebrews saw as, um, you know, 
a husband knowing his wife talking about intimacy and oneness or experiential knowledge. It doesn't talk about that. It talks about God acknowledging something. We can also acknowledge, obviously. Ephesians um, 1 verse 17, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the acknowledgement of Him. So what he's actually saying here is, I pray, this is a prayer, that God, you know, the Father, um, the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom in revelation and acknowledgement of Him. So what he's actually saying is that this spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation will come by God's acknowledgement of you and not you trying to get wiser and trying to manifest more things. But Him bringing it. So what Paul was saying is, I pray that God will come and just manifest more of this fruit in your life. And he was pointing them in that whole writing in Ephesians, and Peter was pointing them in his whole writing all the time towards looking at Jesus, looking at this finished work, having a heart persuaded of what he's done, for that is the channel through which God brings forth this acknowledgement. I am not made to stress about money. I am not made to stress about health. I am not made to walk in anger. I have not been designed by God to fight with my wife. I have not been made for any of those things. It is not what I have been designed to do. I am designed to live by His life. That's what this body is for. Our human body is not made for Anything but Him. And that's what the Bible says. Yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto eternal life. And not as unto uh, the law which ends into death. So, this body is yielded. This flesh is yielded to God. So that God can manifest who He is freely in me. And I am not going to do any effort to try and manifest peace. He will acknowledge my peace in Him. He will acknowledge my holiness in my life. He will acknowledge that wonderful verse we were singing here, nothing can separate me from the love of God. That means that this truth of His acknowledgement of peace and love towards me, even in a time like Villiers was attacked on, you know, at his house, they came in with a panga, chopped him on his hand, hit him with a crowbar on the head just two weeks ago or something. You know, even in that time, that cannot separate me from God's acknowledgement of my union with Him and peace with Him. So even if that happened, I have no fear at all. For He continually manifests His fruit in me, His acknowledgement of me, His agape is always towards me, and I shall have immortality in the return of Jesus Christ. And the first fruit of this is that the flesh with its fruits lost its power in the presence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And unfortunately the church was robbed from this truth in our own effort to try and bear the fruit of the Spirit. And what happened, what has also happened is, because of our hurt, you know, I, I spoke to a, 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 f- a friend of mine, <coughs> you know, um, on Facebook, and he, he put this thing up where 
people that have really got hurt in church are now completely over to the other side where they, I think Nico spoke, yeah, Nico spoke about it, where they don't, talk, they don't believe in the Bible anymore, they don't believe in all these things, it's just this airy-fairy stuff, and this woman was standing, excuse me, you know, with two zap signs like this, saying to all Christians and their God that will put people in hell, I'd rather go to hell than go to a God, you know, that will put people in hell. I believe in a God of only love. You know? So, what happens is, because of this sick system of works righteousness, people get so hurt that they eventually fall over on the other side and completely deny relationship, persuasion, and love that comes from God. Denying your very design, what kind of a being you are. And then I spoke to him, and um, he was part of a group, and I spoke to him, I said to him, you know, brother, that that which you posted there is just a further fruit of the law that hurt you. Still continuing in the law, and the end of that will be death, because you have no peace. Why? Just believe this truth, and you will find, and this is what my heart is for the guy, just believe the right truth, and what you'll find is you'll find God acknowledging the peace that came to your heart, because of the gospel that entered your life, and you will find true peace. You will find true freedom from religion. I detest religion so much that I'm not going to fall to the other side. I'm not going to have a life born from hurt. Because that is just religion again. We have not been made for that. We have been made for the life He designed from the beginning. Glory to God. Amen. I think I've I've messed up my notes here. Let's just see what's going on. Um. Let's read Ephesians 1.17 again. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of wisdom, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in His acknowledgement. Uh, um, the way in which he acknowledges you. He says, in the acknowledgement of him. When you say the acknowledgement of him, you can say, I acknowledge him, yes. But if you talk about his acknowledgement, that's how I read that in the Greek. It says, by the acknowledgement of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is hope of his calling, have experiential knowledge of why he called you, what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Now what he's saying there is, that God has got a resurrection power. That power conquered death. Now, when that power conquered death, it obviously conquered everything that leads to death. Of course. Which is sins. The wages of sin is death. So, we now, as believers in grace, don't take effort to try and stop to sin. We open ourselves up for the resurrection power that raises us up. And this is what Paul preached here. He says, I want to see God's acknowledgement in your life. 
And the way God is going to acknowledge this holiness in your life is He gave gifts, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors to teach you this gospel of grace so that you can believe it and through your persuasion of this truth as the only persuasion and you saying to God, I'm willing. This is a relationship thing. This is not a forced thing. It's a relationship thing. This is part of our design. You know, uh, we can say as much as what we like, man, I wish this faith thing was just not part of, um, part of the thing. It would have been so much easier if God could just have come and just made everybody holy and just everything managed. Okay, that's fine if you want to say that. Then you must also be willing to say that I just wish this faith thing is completely removed from my family and everybody just do everything right without believing in each other. Even if everybody does everything right. I've seen marriages like that where the husband is just a perfect guy and the wife, she just does everything right. But these people don't believe in each other. I tell you, it's dead. Then you can find people shouting about each other, but they believe in each other. There's life. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. It's just because I counsel people. I, I don't, I've got no knowledge of these things. Okay. <laughs> these teachers are given for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the acknowledgement of the Son of God and to a perfect man. Do you see how God acknowledges? God acknowledges your holiness by what He has done. Right. Let me... I'm going to skip some verses here. I want to just uh, read this. This is very important. Second uh, Peter 1 verse 4 Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises This is by This by Jesus And how he will acknowledge You know You And your relationship with him through, in, in fruit He says by this is given unto us Great and exceeding and precious promises By um, That By these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Do you see it clearly says here that we will be partakers of the divine nature by what God promised. You will not be partakers of the divine nature by your obedience to scriptures. You will be partakers of the divine nature by His acknowledgement of you. By the grace message, by Him living in you, by Him bringing forth life in you, by the Spirit bringing forth fruit in you. That's what He promised. He promised that we will be partakers of this divine nature. How? Because we have escaped the corruption that is in this world through desire because of legalism. I don't have time to get into that. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge. Now, what he says here, um, you know, these notes completely got, got completely messed up. Um, what he says here is, we have got this precious faith. Now, let's add to this precious faith virtue and knowledge and this and this and this. Now, what I see is, he says, giving all diligence. Our part is giving all diligence to what we are persuaded of. 
I found in my life that there's a time when I give a lot of diligence to the persuasion that I have and there's times when I don't give a lot of diligence to the persuasion of grace. Like driving through Vintuk, they steal the thing, you know. You, you, you start to think of all these things and your diligence is towards what these guys have done. But as we give our diligence towards what God believes about us, we find that He acknowledges that in our lives and we, we feel peace. Glory to God. We have not been made to be addicted to stuff. I'm not saying if you smoke, God condemns you, or if you, man, even people can be addicted to drugs, to pornography, to whatever. I'm not saying that that addiction is God, God says, well, I will not love you, I will not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, you hate every moment of it. And God compassionately reaches out to you, saying to you, listen, the very thing you hate, the very thing, that, like Paul says in Romans 7, which you don't want to do, which you do, brings turmoil to your life, and I can, bring, I can manifest your holiness in your life for you. The way it is, is by your persuasion of your innocence. That is it. That is the only way it is. I found it so many times in my life when I say, I give diligence to what Christ has said about me. Christ in, in, in Him becoming a human being and Him being resurrected clearly gave me a precious persuasion that I am innocent before Him, that I am the God kind, that I have got nothing separating me from Him, that He loves me, that He looks at me with compassion, that He cares for me, that I am His kind, that I am His heaven, that He would leave heaven to come and live with me. I look at the resurrection of a human in the right hand of the Father and I see that the power of the resurrection completely completely overcame the power of the flesh which I in willpower can never overcome you must realize you get the power of the resurrection you get the the power of the flesh and you get willpower willpower is not stronger than the power of sin but the power of the resurrection is even more powerful than the flesh so what we do is, we look at the power of the resurrection and in our persuasion of it, our hearts allow that truth to manifest in our lives and we are then born from that truth. Glory to God. Amen. I wrote a book called um, Born from Innocence and we're going to see if we can get that printed within the next, before the 15th. Where I explain this whole concept. You know, where we can be free. Where we can understand, the book is called Born from Innocence. You know, where we can understand what it means to be born from innocence. To have a birth. You know, if I look at my life, it's wonderful to know that I'm innocent. But what is even greater is when through this knowledge and my acknowledgement of it, I find its acknowledgement in my life. It is peace, man. <laughs> it is a place where your financial income cannot dictate your emotion anymore. And this is a free gift from God. A gift. The kind of innocence Jesus possesses supersedes the innocence of not doing something wrong. Let me say it again. 
The kind of innocence Jesus possessed supersedes the innocence of never committing any sin. You know, if you have no knowledge of good and evil, it's much more innocent than somebody who had knowledge of good and evil and never committed any evil. Now we as humans can never have that knowledge because we were brought up in sins. It's like virginity. Once it's gone, it's gone. And you can never say, I'm innocent. You know, it, it has happened. But that's why the only way we can ever have that kind of innocence is if it is donated to us. Given to us. And God came and gave the very innocence of God unto man as a free gift. And in our persuasion of it, we find a life born that is peaceful above measure. 2 Peter 1 verse 9. It says, but he who lacks these good things, uh, sorry, I want to just put this. It says, beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith. That word add there in the Greek, I checked it up yesterday, is the Greek word epikorigeo, which means to furnish as a choir leader. Now what that means is, it, it talks about a choir leader standing in front of a choir, and now he's going to bring forth all, all this orchestra, and now he's going to bring forth beautiful music. So at first you find maybe just the drums, and then you furnish it with a violin. It is all already there. It is not not there, it's alive, it is present. But as the choir conductor, you call it forth. You say, I allow this to play now, and I allow this to play now. Because in my mind, I broaden my understanding to, I am not just loved by God, but God's love encompasses the manifestation of His acknowledgement of every good thing that's in me in Christ. The Bible says our communication, our life in this world can become effective by His acknowledgement. When God acknowledges your holiness, when God acknowledges your compassion, when God by the power of the resurrection, you find people's lives being impacted. And this is what you call effortless living, all by the power or the energy or the effort of His resurrection. Glory to God. But he that lacks these good fruits is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So here it says that should these things not be in your life, it is not because you're bad, it's because you've got a memory problem. <laughs> That's what it says. You forgot that you were forgiven. Actually, you know the word where it says in John 1 verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, received means to grab a hold of with a purpose to make use of. And that's what we do in this church. And that's what I see you guys do in your lives. You know, I grab a hold of His holiness as my holiness. I grab a hold of His righteousness as my righteousness. And I make use of it. That means when I'm in a place where I don't feel righteous, I don't make use of this other guilt that's offered me. I make use of His. That's the word receive. 
the Bible says they have the authority to find the life they live born from God. That means you've got access to the manifestation of His quality of life in you by His power and not yours. Amen. That's the word lambano, to receive. Now the Bible here where it says forget, they have forgotten, is the word, um, it, 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 it's compound of two, two words. It's lambano and then the Greek word forget. To grab a hold of ignorance. That's actually what it says. It says he who does not see these things is because he grabbed a hold of with a purpose to make use of a system that's contrary to the very system that God offered us for free. Hallelujah. Do you see how God came and brought us into a place? Where it cannot fail. You can only be blessed. You can only be accepted from His side. And He brings all this beauty before us. An absolute platform of perfect, perfect innocence. That draws our hearts into belief. And from there we find Him. Bringing forth the fruit. Glory to God. Glory to God. I end off with this. Be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if you be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes away, and straightway grabs a hold of, with a purpose to make use of, forgetfulness. Of what manner of man he is. But whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues to look therein, not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, that, that uh, a verse has condemned so many people, but let me explain that verse. It says, <clears throat> Be doers of the word. The word word there is the Greek word logos which the Bible says in the beginning was the Logos and the Logos was with God and this Logos was God. That's where we get our word logic from. So grab hold of God's logic. Be a doer of God's logic. Don't be a doer of Satan's logic. Satan's logic is if you do you'll become. God's logic is you are and it shall manifest. Amen. Amen. Be a doer of the word, of the Logos of God. And then he goes on and he explains what this Logos is. He says, because if you hear the word, but you're not a doer of the word, and I'm going to explain how you do now here, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. Natural face. He's like a guy going and looking at himself in a mirror. And then goes away and forget what kind of of man he is that is a forgetful hearer but he who is a doer of the work so what is the work God gave us to look into the perfect law of liberty and to remember what you see that is the work he who is not a doer of the work is he who looks in and forgets so what would the work be remember you're innocent. Remember what kind of being you are. 
I am the kind that is perfectly innocent, perfectly holy, that has been made complete. Having no more conscience of sins. Or consciousness of sin. You know, I like that, that word consciousness in the Hebrew standard I'm quoting now. In the Afrikaans. In the Afrikaans it says, Bewissein. Bewissein. That's more powerful. Maybe I just don't understand English that well. But to me that's very powerful. Bewissein. You know, if somebody was in an accident and they lost consciousness, it means you can talk as much as what you like. They hear nothing. They unconscious. Those who was purged by the blood of Jesus once will have no more consciousness of sin. I'd say bewissein verloor. He was knocked out. He cannot have any knowledge of sin anymore. That is the law of perfect liberation. I have been perfectly liberated from legalism. I've been perfectly liberated from Ten Commandments. I've been perfectly liberated from the flesh and all its fruit. I have been liberated. Don't say, well, because you're now liberated from the flesh, now live right. No, no, no. Look into the law of liberty and God will acknowledge it. In your life, by Him bringing forth the fruit by His resurrection power. And one of those fruits will be immortality. And we even know when it shall manifest. When Jesus comes back. We have got such a powerful victory over the flesh that we can even see the very fruit of the Almighty in our lives and it shall even end in immortality. (laughs) Glory to God. I want to tell you, this might be a shocker for you, but I'm not aiming for heaven, man. I'm aiming for immortality. It might be that I will go to heaven for a while. But then Jesus will return with all those that has died and we, this planet shall be glorified and we shall live here with Him forever on a glorified planet in a glorified body. Why do you want to go and do in heaven if Jesus comes to earth? Sit there alone. (laughs) You know, the moment we start to understand how the physical realm play such a big role in this gospel scheme wherein God manifests fruit, we find our hearts opening up to the manifestation of who He is in this life. And we have peace untold. Glory to God. Amen. I hope I didn't confuse people this morning. I really enjoyed my own message here. For by grace are you saved through faith, and they're not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest you should boast. Listen to this. He says, we cannot boast in our works. Why? For we are His workmanship, love poem, or to be created by Him, created in Christ unto good works, which He before ordained that we should walk in them. So here it says, nobody can boast in good works, for it's God manifesting the good works in you. He created you unto it. So how can we now boast in our good works? Paul never boasted in his good works. You know what he boasted in? He boasted in how he was persecuted for righteousness. 
So what he was actually boasting to say, well, I'm really preaching the truth, is to say, look how the law guys kill me. Then you know how right I am. <laughs> Glory to God. I love the gospel. It sets people free. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much that we can give great diligence to this wonderful persuasion that was given to us. Most precious persuasion. Thank you, Lord, that this precious persuasion is not measured in how strong I'm persuaded of it, but the new knowledge, the new truth that came to us. And thank you, Lord, that we can have a strong persuasion in this new persuasion. I thank you, Lord, that we can be deeply persuaded to the very core of our being of this most precious faith, this most precious thing that we can believe in now. That we are part of a brand new kingdom. That we are not building a kingdom, but you established your kingdom and it is manifesting. And thank you, Lord, that everything that's an enemy of that kingdom is conquered in Jesus. And we even see the manifestation of that conquering in our lives by the power of your resurrection. And all we do is we look into the perfect law of liberty and we don't forget our liberation. And we are not scared to acknowledge our liberation. We have been set free. Set free to be a people full of love. To be a people full of peace. To be a people full of power. To be a people flooded with influence and compassion for others. To be fearless. Hallelujah. And thank you Lord. That as we look in this perfect law of liberty. We shall be blessed in this doing. The blessing will come from your resurrection power. Not our willpower. Thank you Lord for that. I want to pray for this congregation. Father I thank you for these people. I love these people. I thank you, Lord, for the change that I can see in their lives. I thank you, Father, that as I look at their eyes while I preach here, I see that sparkle of life that can only come from you. Father, you know I've, been preached, I've preached to many people in my life, but I see so much life in these people's eyes. And I want to thank you for that. It is beautiful. Father, thank you for those that's listening via the internet, which sit there and as they hear these words, tears are just streaming down their faces and they are blessed with what you've given them. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to settle for anything of the devil and his kingdom, for we have been made part of something very beautiful and righteous. We have been perfectly liberated, never to have any knowledge of sins again and we look into that law of liberty of that law of liberation and we don't grab a hold of with the purpose to make use of old lies we grab a hold of with the purpose to use what we see in our lives and you are so welcome to acknowledge it in us Amen Amen